Look, have mercy on me. What's up, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of On the Bluff. We are back in studio after two weeks recording digitally. Gabe, you excited to be back? Yeah, it feels right. It feels, it feels right. right. Yeah, we had the weather. Then yep. we had some uh, undisclosed sicknesses that we will not mention on air. Um, but now we're back <laughs> in studio. Um, we have our Waterloo's. Although I had a, I had a little issue there Woo. before you even got here today. Yeah, you should have said Kenny saw it. Major spillage. Drop this thing, and it just, just the studio. Got, I don't know what it was. The studio man. got a bath in Waterloo. It's not the. Yeah. It's not the first time you've spilled we didn't a Waterloo. Have, we didn't have paper towels either, so it was kind of a, it was kind of rough. Same thing happened last time. Yeah. We had to use the old TP. Yeah, <laughs> it is not good for picking up a mess. I'll it's tell not, you that. It's, not. it's good for other messes, yeah, but, it's fair. but not not for not for liquid like that. No, not for an excessive amount of liquid. Yes, for sure. But um, it feels right. Man. It does. Glad to be back. It does good to be back. Um, you sparked something that I was going to say, but now I don't. You forget. Recall. Okay. Yeah, I don't that happens that. sometimes. Man. Yeah, it does. It does. Yeah. It's where we're at in our age and in our lives. We're getting old. Oh. Well, God, shut <laughs> up. Yeah. Is this not anybody else's pet peeve? <laughs> no, it is. I 28 just, I years old, 26, 25. Five, yeah. Going on 26. Bro, you're not old. Oh, I know. I can't I'm make... older. For, I'm older, and like I think I'm older in the brain because I took too many hits back in the day. Yeah. And, <laughs> you know? in, and in body. Yeah, and in body, yes. So, so you know, you not, maybe I have that excuse, yeah, but do you, I don't even. I don't. Do I don't you not know. feel old some days? You feel no, no, no. I, I, still I really feel. Do. I still feel like I'm the same person that I was when I was like thirteen. See, I, 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 I don't do. feel any different. Like, obviously, I've grown. I've matured. You know, but it, like it, I, I, it's okay, same let's, person. Let's stay on this for a minute because this is an interesting phenomenon. Me and Anna Ruth were talking about this. I think it was last week or two weeks ago. And she was like, I view, I still like in my mind feel like I'm 17. Yes. And I, I look like, myself in the mirror and I'm like, I, I just, I see the same <laughs> yeah, I'm not a, person. I'm not a grown up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I look at myself all the time. I'm like, I'm not a grown up. Yeah. I'm still a kid somehow. Yeah. I, I, I don't view myself any different. So that's why I say the being old stuff is a joke because I say that all the time. Like, now, if I was mentally I, the st still the same age, that, as would, I was, be that would be a problem. Obviously, yeah. I've grown, I've matured. We would like, not be doing this show together. If like, you... Kenny, how about you? I'm curious about you. You're a little older. Uh, fuck y'all. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I want to say. Do you look in the mirror and you're like, damn, I'm old? Yes. <laughs> so when, so when, when, does, when does that when, when does is that, it, when does the when switch? switch? When yeah. does the switch happen? I mean, is it like when you have kids? Uh, obviously, it's not when you yeah. get married because Gabe is married at this point. So when 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 do you realize, man, I'm not 17, 18 years old anymore? When you have to start like plucking gray beard, gray hairs out of your beard. Oh, I, I do that now. Yeah, I just don't think that's uh, it. It's I don't do no, that. I, I, I do that now. It's it's a when like right now, if you had to choose, like if somebody said to you, like, hey. You could either sit on the couch and eat something unhealthy mm -hmm. or go play basketball or go do, do this. something healthy. Go do something else. And you always choose to sit on the couch and eat something unhealthy. That's a part for me. Like that was. But, so that had to be a mindset switch. Yeah, it was a mindset switch. It was a. But I, you look I, yourself in the mirror and you're like, I'm old as shit. Hell yes. <laughs> yes. I, I still, like, honestly, I still look in the mirror and I'm like, do people, like, think I'm this age or do people think I'm, like, 18? Like, what do they think? If you shaved. If you shaved, you'd be 18. If you yeah, shaved, you'd be the. The kid I knew when you were at the University of Memphis and we were doing the damn yeah, film, film review. Film room. Yeah. I think, I think for me, it was a. You you look up and you're like five years down the line and you just go all of a sudden you wake up and you're like five years down the line and you go, man, like I'm more out of shape than I've ever been <laughs> in my entire life. Like that happened to I mean, me that, at like thirty five. That, that, that's happening to me right now, but I still I don't feel that much. Different. I don't know. I, I would imagine I could still go give I could go give folks work if we uh, if we if we hit the uh, open gym. Yeah. So. So I, I would imagine I just kids get two, through two games and be cashed. Done. I'd imagine kids has to play a big kids role. Kids plays a huge role in it. Like especially, it, it's more so a when the years start going by like so fast and you're just doing the same thing over and over again with your kids. Like 
It, I don't know, man. It's hard to explain, but definitely at the age. I will say this, though. This was a good birthday for me. I turned okay. 43 this year. For the entire year. Damn. For the entire year. <laughs> I know, right? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> With Kevin Hart? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Said, I'm 57. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. 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 Um, for the entire year, I thought I was turning 44. Until like two days before my birthday, I'm sitting in the room with my twin sister, Erin, and I said, we're turning 44 in two days. And she goes, no, we're not. We're turning 43. I was like, yes, I got a year back. So <laughs> maybe that's when I realized okay. I'm old. I yeah. thought I was older than I really am. I don't know. Yeah. But no, kids, I think, definitely play a role in that. that that's what I would say have to, would have to be the biggest one. Like if I'm just guessing, because you hear parents all the time be like, you were just a baby and now you're X age yeah. and now you're grown and now you're in high school. So like, I would imagine kids we got our confirmation because we had to ask our resident oldie. Right. Is there a, like, I think <laughs> it's an age. Like, do you think 40, like this, what number age wise sounds crazy to y'all right now that y'all would hit? I think 40 would definitely be the age. Like, damn, I've lived 40 years. Yeah. It's 40. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's 15 No offense years to you. Or, or 14 years. That was three years ago for me. <laughs> That's that's the but, one where I but I, also I don't, know. I don't think there's like a an age that signifies being old if that makes sense. Forty like on, just feels on like paper. A lot. On paper, I think it can, but like, I mean, shit. When somebody gets to seventy, I think you're getting pretty. You're old. I mean, yeah, lived, but, but you know, what, you know what I'm saying. Like, I really do think like age is a mental thing. Like, I think you re like you hear it all the time. The old phrase of like you're only as old as you feel. Like, I think that's legit. Yeah, no, for sure. I agree with that. Like, I know I know people that are older that don't do well physically you know 50 60 70 years old and then i there's been times where i go play pickleball and there's 73 year old men out there cooking and they're, them, yeah. cooking, and, yeah. they're and, and they're they not love, just doing like the stand at the net like yeah. they're moving well yeah. i think your dad's a perfect example of that right who's dad your dad my dad's old i know but he doesn't <laughs> come across old does he no not in the way he acts but physically he's getting there is he getting there? A little bit. Have you seen a shift in him? A little bit. Yeah, a little bit. Uh-oh. A little bit. I mean, he's got a lot of pro like he's got he's got a hernia, he's got a torn rotator cuff, he's had bad knees since like high school football that he's never gotten any of it fixed. So I really think that's why cuz the man is still like 20 at heart for sure. So I see what you're saying. Mentally, yeah, I don't see him as almost 50 at all. My dad's got a hearing aid now. That was interesting. Wow. It was an interesting switch. How old is Tom? Tom's um, fifty-eight. He was born in fifty. I get. I it, it, was, do you do this too? Right. I lose track of how oh, old yeah. my parents. Oh, are. Oh, absolutely. I try. I try to. I try to keep refreshed on it. So he'd be sixty-five. So sixty-five, dad, about to be sixty-six. No, he's about to be sixty-five. He was born in fifty-eight. Yeah, yeah my he's dad about is, to be sixty-six. Sixty-six. Damn. Yeah, my dad is sixty-six. It is twenty twenty-four. He, he was born in fifty-seven. Yeah, he's about to be sixty-six. My, my dad was born in seventy-four. Yeah. So he's uh, he'll be fifty. He's in only he's only seven years young older than me. Yeah, if you would have made like a really bad mistake in high school, I could be your, your son. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I think my dad had me at twenty three, so you'd been I'd have been twenty three, sixteen. Like if you'd had oh, oh, a yeah, kid yeah, yeah, at sixteen, yeah, yeah. it'd yeah. be my age. That's, that, we that might happens. Need, that we might need to do a test, life. Christian. We might oh, need to do a test. I don't think we do. <laughs> I, I don't see the resemblance. <laughs> no, guys. I'm just gonna go out there and say it. Don't see the resemblance. If you've seen Christian's dad, you know they're. There's look, no doubt. Yeah, we look if Kenny similar. was your pops, I think you'd be a little taller. You'd have, you'd have a couple more inches. Yeah. But because <laughs> Kenny's son is is not very old, and he's already working his way up there. <laughs> he's getting close. He's he's getting he's up getting there. close. No one else is getting old though. Speaking of old, what? Tigers losing ball games. Dude, hell of a segue. <laughs> Put it there. There you go. Thanks. Buddy. I got you. All right. Anyway, three in a row. We talked about this last week. Obviously, didn't really know where to be on the panic meter because. They, they lose a game to South Florida, and you go, okay, that could be a fluke. They lose a game to Tulane, and you say you can justify that with, okay, Tulane's a pretty solid team. Then they lose their third in the road to UAB. They allow 97 points. Optically, it looks terrible, both on the sidelines and on the floor. And now I think we can safely press the panic button, and, and that's not an overreaction <laughs> at all in the slightest. I think we should be – I mean, it's, it's freak-out mode. I just saw Lenardi – Put out his uh, his bracketology is not a, a, like fully published, but he put out his like primer, and they're in the last four buys. They're the first team in yeah. the last four buys. They're all on the bubble. Yeah. Um, because you have two quad three losses, one quad two loss. You've you've looked like shit 
Let's put, yeah. I'm not, oh, not yeah. going to hide it. No. They have looked like shit, and they're just the emotional lapses they have. It's just ridiculous. And then also, if I'm projecting forward what I think this team's going to look like and like how they get things right, I can't project that. I can't either. How do you make people like each other with your yeah. team chemistry issues? How do you find a leader that's not Caleb Mills that can step up and start saying things to this team that they'll actually re it'll resonate with right. them? Like all the things that they need to fix are so – Sort, they're out of the control of anything you do on the floor. Right. It's about it's, liking it's, each other more. Not, and when does that happen? I don't know. Yeah. It's not really physical stuff. I yes. think that this team's dealing with right now. It turns now. into physical. It stuff. It does. It does. For sure. But I think it all starts mentally and chemistry wise and teamwork wise, and that and that stuff's just not there. We talked about it last week, and we said, you know, Caleb Mills can't be the only excuse for this team not living up to the success that they had earlier in the season, whether that's from a leadership perspective, whether that's from a defensive perspective, which we talked about. One player... <clears throat> should not shift. One player on a yeah. team with this much talent, and, and Caleb Mills is not like a top 10 player in the country, so there are examples where you could say, if you take this player off of this team, okay, things can fall apart. But Caleb Mills, very good player, not the best player he on this team. He was a bench team, player. Bench player. And they've fallen apart for all intents and purposes. You don't see the effort on the defensive end. You see confusion on both ends of the floor. You see, like you said, just kind of a a lack of caring. I, I guess you know, for for lack yep. of better words, like it, they just don't look engaged at all. This is not, and this might go without saying, but this is not the team that we were seeing earlier in the well, season by any well, means. And here's here's how fragile it's been. Um, you were 10 in the AP poll two weeks ago. Right. You're now sixth in the AAC two weeks later. Yep. 10 in the AP poll two weeks ago. Sixth in the American Athletic Conference two weeks later. That's, I should not have to explain this fall from grace anymore. No. It's ridiculous, man, what we watch night to night. And, uh, They've just lost confidence. They lost their faith in each other. They've lost the faith, I think, in Penny Hardaway. And I thought that that sort of showed in that game. And I know yeah. people will take this the wrong way. It doesn't mean that Penny can't write the ship. It doesn't mean that these guys can start loving on each other and meshing better. But in that game against UAB, I saw a team for the first 10, 12 minutes locked in on the defensive game plan because we know Penny said, hey, we're going to practice really hard this entire week. We're going to get the defensive game plan locked in. So for the first 10 to 12 minutes, I saw them rotating. I saw them closing out on shooters. I saw them pressing the ball. They created a bunch of turnovers. They had 21. But then you sort of saw them still giving up these open looks. And um, they're, they're, you know, still gave up 45 by halftime. You get in the second half and everything starts to spiral out of control. And then you just see a team lose complete faith and stop playing with any level of emotion, uh, any level of intent, any level of intensity. You just see this team fall apart at the seams. And you need to have somebody. This is where Caleb Mills comes in. You have to have somebody who can step up in those moments and say, guys, I know things haven't gone our way, but we have to still trust our teaching. Yeah, We have to still trust our game plan. Now, if the game plan sucks, that falls on Penny Hardaway. Right. But you have to have someone in those moments not name Penny Hardaway step up and tell them, trust your teaching. Let's grind this away. Let's grind at this deficit. Yeah. And then also, I <laughs> the sideline interview with Penny was quite frankly one of the most funny things, funny efforts I've ever seen. Yeah. Andy Kennedy was trying to put up with it and he did a good job of it. Penny didn't ask didn't answer a single question. No. That the uh that the guys asked him. Um, but what you did see in that moment, if you were wondering why the guys on the floor start to lose their intensity and their hope and their faith. Look at how Penny responds. I, I Seriously, just like next time you're at the game, if you haven't watched that sideline interview, see if you can go play it back. Watch how Penny Hardaway responds to things going south in a game. Face in the hands, you know, throwing his hands right. up, palms up. Just he seems to let go of the rope and not – it, it felt like, especially in that second half, when things started going south, an emotional follow the leader. You're following the emotional, you know, bar set by Penny Hardaway. And that's why I think a lot of things fell apart.
Yeah. As well in that second half. Yeah, I, I think that's a perfect point because you look and you watch him and you watch his demeanor and it doesn't look like he has any confidence in them yeah. to do the right things. And that's obviously going to be a trickle-down effect. If the coach doesn't have any trust and any confidence in the players, the players don't have any reciprocated towards him, they don't have any towards each other, it feels like, and you know, a lot of this we know is speculative. Like We're not in day-to-day meetings and practices and right. stuff. But I, I think just from watching, you can say like this culturally this team is starting to melt. And you like you point you put it as you know falling apart oh, at the seams. Yeah. And that and that's what it feels like we're watching right now. Is there a way for this to be turned around? Sure. Sure. How does that happen? And th- and this is typically what we do is how does that happen? And we talk about it. I really can't give you anything. I, I really can't give that you that we haven't said four hundred times right. in the past two weeks. Right. And we haven't seen any of that acted upon or anything no. really change from this team from this coaching staff from that point so i'm extremely concerned because because what we're okay what we're in danger of now and the fact that we're here uh, from the point where we were at a couple weeks ago is insane because we're talking about this team's a top 10 team in the country they can go beat anybody in a tournament style neutral site game and now we're talking about a team that could miss out on the ncaa tournament have you seen have you seen their metrics yeah all right let me pull these up because i'm because i'm I want to get the exact numbers correct. We have a completely unranked in the AP poll. That goes without saying. Ken Palm, 61. Net, 66. Bart Torvik, 78. And Bart Torvik does a, a projection of teams that are tournament worthy. Will they make the tournament? Will they not? Their percentage chance to make the tournament, according to Bart Torvik, is 25.2%. They were right around 95 to 100 two weeks ago. Right. They're at 25.2% because he's projecting out in the future like, okay, these these problems, how can you solve them? Yeah. Like, is there any real Tangible. way to make that happen? Yeah. Because if not, I'm just going to have to project them to lose more games along the way if they can't figure this whole yeah. thing out. And I think the two two things, if I like if the two things they need to fix, like each other... <laughs> That's hard to do. Yeah. They don't really know each other that well. Right. For God's sakes, Jordan Brown probably met Naquan Tomlin last week, and they played meaningful minutes in that UAB game on the floor at the same time. And then, two, find a vocal leader in the locker room. Those two things, I think, would solve, I don't know, 90% of the issues that ail yeah. this team. And even, even that's difficult because you would like to think that if somebody was going to become that vocal and emotional leader, it would have happened at this point, it would have already come to fruition. So we really are watching a team in a full meltdown right now. And there's no uh, – we're not doomsday type people anyway. Usually we, we're we pretty positive. You want to stay positive. But it's, but it, it's just – it's it's looking really, really bleak right now. I mean, this team has lost three games in, two, in a row to, on paper, at least inferior opponents, games that they should have <laughs> won. I mean, this is a team that – okay, now they have five losses – we were really saying they're probably only going to have four or five losses by the end of the season. And here we sit. You still got two games against FAU. You still got a matchup against Wichita State. You still got a matchup against Tulane. Like, there's still, with this version of this team, there's still a lot of losable games out there. Yeah, and you, you here's the thing. I just look at the fact that they're, you know, eight or nine range right now. That's what they are, and you wanted to avoid that. Right. You wanted to be a top seven seed so you can get out of that eight, nine game, not play a one seed in the second round. And even those games you mentioned, are those going to, even if you, like, ran the table, which I don't definitely don't expect with the way this team's playing, if you, like, ran the table, won a couple of those games – you can't really raise your seed line an insane amount no. at this point. No. There's nothing out in front of you that's going to boost you to where you were two weeks ago, which was a four or five seed. Right. You cannot. It is. It is going to be literally impossible yeah, for them happen. to get there. It's not going to happen. And that's where it's like, okay, click the panic button. Yeah. All right. Well, just say save your season. Get to the tournament now. Yeah. That, you know the the real. Like comparison, I think to that is last year's FAU team, right? Like we hate the comparison between lost Memphis four, and ga- three games, lost three games the entire season, thirty-one and three, thirty-one and three, 
the two game two games that they lost were their two non like the the power six yeah, teams non-con. that they played non con Ole Miss and Florida Ole Miss and Florida last year rolled through their their conference and still got an eight nine seed and it's, this is going to be kind of the same situation even if they roll through the next eleven games which let's be frank. I don't know this, how you could project that. You can't project no, you that can't. with this team right now. You can't. And that FAU team won the conference tournament as well. Right. And <laughs> it's, hard, it's hard to project Memphis going and winning three games in three days at this point. I mean, I just, man, they're just, they're even flirting with missing the tournament. Let's be completely honest. Yeah. No, that's that's absolutely on They've the lost table. two quad three games. So that would lead you to believe that they could lose more quad three games right. on the road. Right. Yeah. No, they're absolutely capable. At, at this point, with what we've seen, <laughs> Even even before the three, losses. are you going to do the capabilities on both sides, like the polls of what this could be, good and bad? Because oh, that, no, that's insane to even think about too. No, it's very. Weighted. I lean bad. It's very weighted on the bad side. But yeah. But what what I'm what I'm saying is, if you take the last three games, and even if you peel back the layers before that of things that we weren't concerned of because they were winning those games, Memphis is capable of losing every game on the rest of their schedule. <laughs> That, that's true. That, sa- that sounds crazy, but we're talking about a team. But that... I don't want to believe they can lose to Rice at home. You, I just, you don't. You, you that's don't. Their next game. I don't want to believe that no. on Wednesday they're gonna. They can lose to Rice at no, home. No, you don't want to believe that. But they. <laughs> but let's go back now because this stuff is starting to make a little bit more sense. Uh, UTSA overtime. They allowed 101 points. Like l- let's not forget. I know. I, I know. I know. All that stuff was kind of irrelevant at the time because they won because they were winning those games. But you look at it now, and you can't really look out and say, okay, there's not a team that Memphis can't lose. They're, they can lose any game left on the schedule. Do I believe on the flip side they can win every game on the schedule as well? Yeah, I think they can. I You're think talking they, about those wins. Like, you ever seen uh, Step Brothers when they're in the interview yeah. to be a football coach? Yeah. And they have the freaking suits on, and they fart, and he goes, now the suits seem weird yeah. now. Now those games feel, the games they won feel suspect they as do. shit now. They do. Because of what we've seen the last three. Yeah. We, so Penny said something last week in an availability. He said that, and I thought this was a fire quote, in the end it doesn't really mean much because they had a week off and came out and looked like dog shit against UAB. But he said, I accepted things in winning that I wouldn't accept in losing. What are those things? Like if you guys could put your fingers on what those things were, what do you think that is? Sloppy defense would have to be one. Yeah, sloppy defense mostly. Yeah. Mostly. And then a lot of hero ball on offense. Those are the two things that I think really jump off that have been just nasty now when you see them lose. You see David Jones and Javon Quinterly, your top two guys on this roster in that game against UAB, combined for 13 turnovers and a combined minus 26 when they're on the floor against UAB, Alabama-Birmingham. Like I, I don't know, man. Like you, you just let these things go unchecked for so long. This is a result you get. Yeah. And it's kind of frustrating that Penny let it go unchecked. That that's the quote he gives at this point. Because this is something me and you were talking about in that stretch run. It was like, okay, yeah, they're winning ball games. But you got to clean that. But stuff up. even when you're winning, you have to clean things up as if you're losing. If you win by six in overtime and give up 101 points to UTSA, you should mentally treat that like a loss. We yeah. were talking about that what two weeks ago. Yeah. And clearly, that's not what was being done. No, behind closed doors. No, and and even we get the the thought shift of the Wichita State game, and now that Wichita <laughs> State game looks like the outlier of the yeah. bunch. Yeah, of and, this. isn't it nasty though? They play the three worst games of the year following their best half of the year. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but I, I think it shows you how volatile this team is. It shows you how volatile this team is, and that's and that's what I'm saying. Previous to that. They could go win every game left on the schedule. They could go lose four or five more games this year. Yeah. Like there's the range of outcomes. That's what I, that's what I was trying to get of, at a little earlier. Yeah, the, the range polls. of outcomes for this team is probably more volatile than any team we've seen under Penny Hardaway. I would say. And, and, and what is really scary at this point, if you are a University of Memphis basketball fan, is that a couple weeks ago this was a team with legit elite eight. Yeah, plus at least second weekend. Yeah, it, it, this was elite eight plus type of team. Now it's a team that can miss out on the tournament. And there's some times where you say, okay, they shouldn't have been in that position anyway. That's not true with this team. They're so talented. They're so experienced. It's like all the stars aligned for this year to be a successful year. And now it's going down the drain. And if it if if the ship doesn't right, 
if the ship doesn't write this year with this team, with this amount of talented players on the roster, then, I mean, it, it's hard not to question Penny. And I, I've never I – mean, I don't think either one of us have ever really been hard in the question in Penny camp. And we, no. we've always pr- been he, pretty his, – His record at Memphis is, right. what, 126 and 57? Right. It's I like think ridiculous. We've, we've always been pretty positive on him and pretty faithful in what he can do. But the fact that – he's in danger of letting it slip with the best team that he's had is pretty scary. Now, obviously, we're projecting over the rest of the season. Like, we have no idea what's going to happen. But it it just feels like this team is too good and the situation is too good with this first year and what the AAC looks like that this is an opportunity that can't really be wasted that is now kind of being pissed down the drain. And if this goes, like, completely south – and I'm talking like worst case scenario, miss the tournament, that type of thing. Go to the NIT, whatever. I think to add on to your point, look at how he put together this roster. Clearly, NIL played a part in it. Clearly, you know, bringing in all these transfers, high-ranking transfers, they came here because they believed in Penny and the vision he had. If you piss all this away this year, I get worried about what comes after the tough that. sale that it is. What then. the NIL givers, the donors, they're looking at it like Why? we brought in David Jones and Javon Quinterly on X amount of money and X amount of money, and that ended up going straight into the straight down the toilet. Straight to the NIT. Yes. Like what what are we spending this type of money for? And then also players will look at it and be like, damn. With that? With that, you got that you went to the nit with that yeah i I just think there's a lot up for question i I don't doubt that penny will still be able to recruit at a high level bring in transfer portal guys but a lot of that will be thrown if he does not write the ship this year it gets thrown it'll be a narrative oh yeah it'll continue to be a narrative and then it will continue to have the the narrative will only speed up of penny hardaway underachieves with the talent he has at memphis yeah even though he's 126 and 57, and he'll end the season with a good record, and he'll have a 65 percent winning percent, whatever, 60 percent winning percentage. But yeah, I mean those narratives, those agendas, what people say, that only speeds up yeah. if he if he can't write this thing. And then um, I uh, I do kind of wonder, like just sort of looking at the rest of this year. If things really go south, how much drama will continue to just percolate through that locker room? What will we be talking about here in three weeks if they drop another two or three games? Yeah, I don't know what these guys are going to think, even on this team. No. Because it's bad now. It could get worse. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. A lot of negativity so far. Are we are we ready to flip this for some positivity? I think. I think. I think we're. I think we're there. I think we're there. I think. I, I think I'm ready to be positive. Unfortunately, I don't think I can be very positive about Memphis basketball right now. So I think we're gonna have to flip the script a little bit. Okay. Um, we're talking about culture. We're talking about all these things. I will tell you one place that I know for sure has a great culture from top to bottom. That's here where we are right now in this studio. Kenny Stubblefield, Gabe Coon, myself, Christian Fowler. A hell of a culture has been built here. No one can Good culture in the producer's booth. Yeah, that's where it comes from. Yeah. The culture, we're talking about the trickle-down effect. Yeah, yeah. Right? Emotional follow follow the the leader. It starts there. It starts in the producer's room with Kenny Stubblefield. So we are going to take a quick break, and when we come back on the other side, our top-notch producer, Kenny Stubblefield, will have us waiting for the hot three. Basketball at times has turned into like very selfish individual statistical, like let me get mine regardless of a win or loss, especially at the collegiate level when guys are trying to make it to the next level or professionally. It's not necessarily all about coming in and winning games and championships and playing Mm -hmm. together and guys being willing to sacrifice. You get more guys that want to go out there and score points and make flashy plays for themselves personally than you do get teams that just want to win basketball games. Well, and I think the transfer portal has kind of accentuated that, right? Oh, 100%. You come in and you got 13 new guys every year. Like, it's 
gonna be difficult to it's almost like you got 13 mercenaries right that are representing right. that are representing a a team that the majority of the fan base would live and die for tune in to tigers untapped with tj willis and trey lasley every wednesday at 3 p.m on the bluff city media youtube channel We talked about the uh, trade deadline, which is coming up on February the 8th. I like to play connect the dots, kind of taking loose pieces of the puzzle and connecting them together to make the make the the whole broader picture make sense. Mm -hmm. And there's been a lot of puzzle pieces that seem to be pointed at Luke Kennard. You start hearing that Quentin Grimes has interest from Memphis, right? And then you hear, like, the Knicks are looking for shooting. You hear him talking about, you know, the tax aprons and all this. You hear all mm -hmm. this stuff about... And that's a real thing, man. Yeah, because Desmond Bain's tension coming yeah, up. Yeah, because you about between Jaron John Desmond Bain, you're about to have a lot of salary tied up in the three mm -hmm. dudes, right? So there's certain luxuries you may not be able to have, which is the best shooter in the NBA being the fifth guard in your rotation. You're worried about freeing up a roster spot, not only for Gigi Jackson, but your own draft pick. Yep. You gotta make a spot for both of those guys, right? Yep. yep. So there's a trade, man, that looks to be screaming at us in the face that feels like it's inevitable to happen. Tune in to The Anthony Sane Show, Wednesdays and Fridays at 12 p.m. weekly on the Bluff City Media YouTube channel. It is so good to be back in studio, fellas. I need your energy to come up. Kid. Yeah, that, that was, was that, that was. Come sweet. on now, come on. We're supposed to. You're supposed to be our I emotional need, yes. leader. We're supposed to do some emotional follow the leader. Come Let's on. get it. There, okay. There we go. Let's go. Yeah. It's so good to be back, man. I miss everything but this song. You don't like this song. I like when no. the beat drops. The beat it, drop is nice. The start of it kind of is rough. It, you know it. it Makes, it make, I'll say this. It makes the the drop a lot better. I feel like some belly dancers are about to walk in. <laughs> yeah. That's actually the title of the song. <laughs> Is it? Belly dancers walk in. I don't okay. Know. I got you. The belly dancer march. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man, dude, it is really good to be back. But y'all ready to get into this hot three? Yes, do sir. It. Here we go. Man, it's been a uh, a pretty interesting year for the Grizzlies, wouldn't y'all say? I would not, say not in so. the best of ways. I would say so. Not in the best of ways. But, man, we're seeing some kind of, like, interesting stuff going on right now with uh, with the Grizzlies. They're missing, I think, what is it, five of their – no, six of their – Top rotational players are out with injury. They've been playing one starter in Jaren Jackson. One starter in Jaron Jackson Jr. for a while. It's been Jaron Jackson Jr. in the hustle um, <laughs> playing. Yeah. It's what it is. But in that, there's been some wins that have been happening. Right now, they're playing against Sacramento. And last time I saw, they were up. They're up 50 to 47, and they have 11 guys hurt, eight guys active. Yeah. Three of those are two ways. One of them's a 10 day. They literally, <laughs> not bad. They literally had Pretty to bring good. Matthew Hurt up today. So our boy Matthew Hurt, Christian, so they can have a legal team from me, the McDonald's All American game is me, now. Me and Kenny did interview Matthew Hurt okay. at the McDonald's All American game. What was that? 2019. 2019. When man. he was gonna come. To Seems Memphis, like a bit of a goober. <laughs> Kenny, he can play ball. He's got a little goober <laughs> yeah. in him, though. You could tell. There was definitely, yeah. He, de he we, me and Kenny both <laughs> said basically that <laughs> yes. when we left. <laughs> Yeah, goober. The guy, goober is one of those words that like you know what it means when you hear it. It's yeah, a fun but word. you can't really define it. No. Really, yeah. just say goober. The yeah. the definition is just in the phrase, it, like the way that it's <laughs> yes, the way the, way it's the word in the word, is in the exactly. word like goober. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but no, so they brought Matthew Hurd up just so they could fill the damn team for the game tonight. You have to have eight players <laughs> active, and they had seven due to injury. I mean, it's just crazy stuff. But but. The question for this entire year, I think, after Jaws' injury was we got to find, and it, it was this way at the beginning of the year too, was who are going to be the wing players of the future, right? Like it was always, they've drafted a few wings, Jake LaRavia, David Roddy, Zaire Williams. And I think out of the three of those guys, David Roddy's the only guy who even looks like a serviceable NBA player on that roster. Um, but there's been a couple of guys that have emerged um, from the Memphis Hustle this year. Vince Williams and Gigi Jackson um, yes. are getting minutes. Um, Gigi Jackson being the youngest player in the entire NBA. 
what are your guys' thoughts, man? Like, what have you seen just in the last couple of days? Let's go Vince Williams first. Okay. Yeah. What are y'all's thoughts I'll go on Vince, Vince Williams Can, Jr. first. Let, let, let me go first, actually, because... I think you deserve a lot of flowers on the Vince Williams train. I'll be, I'll just get. I don't need them, man. I don't need them. On the forefront of this, because several weeks ago, before this was, this was really summer league last year where I saw Vince play for the first time. I'm like, why? I mean, he's gonna get a look at some point, right? And it It, took a while. It did take a while, but earlier this year, you were excited for what he could be and seeing extended minutes from him. Now that we're seeing that, I think that's all been. Pretty validated. So props to you. Thank you, sir. On uh, on seeing a little something in Vince Williams, and yeah, with or I guess we're just talking about him right now. So yeah, with Vince Williams, we talked about the energy that he brings is basically for us. I think was a, a really big selling point earlier this year. I think now we're seeing him more comfortable, start to settle in a little bit. Know that they're. I think what's helpful for him and Gigi Jackson both is there's not really any pressure on them to perform at some elite level and take this team into the playoff. Like, there, right. there's none of that. It's basically go out there, show us what you got. No, but You don't have to look over your shoulder because there's yeah. not, we're not really trying to win <laughs> games. There's there? nobody really behind <laughs> you anyway. So just go play ball, and I think that's been helpful for both of them. But with Vince, I think we see him getting more and more comfortable by, you know, by the game. And uh, Gabe Coon was was on it. I'll get early. to Vince Williams Jr. here in a second, but I want to say just in general, I've had a lot more fun watching the Grizzlies than the Tigers. <laughs> so you put that. Fair. Okay, can we get to that? You and posed hitting the two right. against each other. That's not what I'm doing. No, I'm just saying from an enjoyment standpoint, I watch the Tigers and I have to take blood pressure medication, right. even though I'm not on blood pressure medication. When I watch the Grizzlies, it's like the lack of expectation just sort of has made it it kind of fun. Yeah. And it's like guys that you don't expect to do something that ultimately get something done. Right. And And, like, and they're winning games. Yeah. And that in itself makes it fun for me. And they, they're three and three in their last six. They had a three game winning streak against the Raptors. The win against the heat against the heat at, at at Miami, at Miami in Terry Rozier debut with the heat that i mean that's just right. fun as hell then you beat the magic who have been really good in the eastern conference like right. man this team is fun to watch and a part of that listen i think there's a limit to how high you can get about this team Absolutely. because they're not a postseason team yada yada but damn in the moment it's fun as shit right have fun and then with, i look, at the, gr- I look at the tigers and i'm just like damn i'm just so it's not fun it's, it's not tight. a fun it's product everything's tight, tight. so it's you funny. posed that question on twitter you actually did a poll this yes. last week were you surprised by the results no not really grizzlies uh, i got about 300 votes on it and the grizzlies won 55 to 45 okay percent um yeah. I can see, like, in the end of the day, I can see where the Tigers, you're still, like, hanging on it because they have more that they could technically accomplish. Right. There's there's more. The like, ceiling you're is not higher. limiting the high because eventually when they get into a tournament, you never know what can happen. Right. Or if they get into a tournament. But you, theoretically, there's more out there for them to accomplish. So I get where people go with the Tigers. But I think just right now, and it could change week to week, month to month, how you feel about your enjoyment. I enjoy watching the Grizzlies a lot more. Yeah. Now, Vince Williams Jr. Go for it. <sighs> I'm, I'm tired of people holding out on this guy. And I think there's <laughs> less and less. But, like, when I, when I look at this guy, I, I made this statement. I'm now to the point with him, I'm waiting on him to have a bad game. Oh, yeah. no. He, he has not had a bad game in a Grizzlies uniform this year. Yeah. He's played, like, 36 games. Which is crazy. <laughs> what an <laughs> unbelievable skill set to have. Like, to not have a bad game. I right. just Everything he brings to the, the, the floor, it's just winning basketball. He'll cover your best perimeter player. He's a, a really good rebounder. He's a top five, top three rebounder on this team, especially for his size. Um, offensively, he can knock down a three. He's 39% on the year. And since he's gotten more looks... Um, with like Desmond Bain out, he's been knocking him down at even a higher clip. He's up in like the 40s right this second. Um, the Grizzlies converted his contract $7.9 million, so they clearly believe in the guy. I, I've said, I think this guy, even on a playoff contending Grizzlies team with John Morant, Jaron, Des, healthy, Steven Adams, healthy, he could be a starter on a playoff caliber yeah. Grizzlies team. Like, I don't see why not. Yeah. He, would least, fit, he would fit really well into that role alongside all those scorers because he'll do. He's one of the rare players that doesn't care. That doesn't give a 
damn about his offensive stats. Yeah. He can go get them if he wants, if he gets the opportunity, but he doesn't care. He, he takes more pride in the other stuff. Right. And well, it's very clear when you watch his game. Well, just imagine, though, like if they don't have to start him and they can bring him off the bench. No, I like, get he that. He automatically here, makes your bench let me, so much better. Let me bring this back at you, though, right? Marcus Smart, of course, is going to get the first crack if he's still on this team, Absolutely. which I expect. He'll get the first crack at the three. Yeah. But if Marcus Smart sort of, it's not a perfect fit. Imagine Marcus Smart off the bench off the as a bench. secondary ball handler and six yep. man. Or what you could do with Marcus at the trade deadline. But Sure, right? but I'm just like, saying, right. But if Marcus is still on this team, which I kind of expect at this moment for him to be on the team going into next year, you don't give up Tyus Jones and two firsts right. to right, just right, 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 get right. rid of him at the first inconvenience. So I think he'd get the first crack as a starter. But let's say that they, you know they it's slower, it's not as perfect of a fit as you thought. Vince slides in there. Marcus Smart is a secondary ball handler when Jaws out of the game and as your sixth man. And I think that almost fits better. I I do too. Truthfully. I do too. Now again, I will I will Marcus deserves the first shot. For he sure. should get the first shot. But if there's any like questions that you have, like three, four, five, six games into it, yeah. pull the string and see what see what happens. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I think Vince Williams Jr., it's beyond, oh, sixth, seventh man. I think he could start on NBA. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. On a bunch of NBA teams. Yeah, right yeah, now. no doubt. And and people will talk about I've heard two main criticisms. One, oh, he's six four. Does he play six four? Not Have at you all. watched the guy? He has a seven foot wingspan well, and he rebounds else? like a maniac. Yeah. Guess who else is six four? Marcus Smart. But point being, Vince Williams Jr. plays even bigger than he, Marcus he Smart. He plays bigger than Marcus Smart. And Marcus absolutely. Smart plays bigger than his size. Right. Absolutely. So there's that. And then what I'll uh, this this hold up this hold up is hilarious. Before Dez got hurt, everybody's like, you know, we've seen his defense. We really like the energy it brings. I don't know if he's that good of an offensive player. Right. I don't yeah. know if he's got that good of an offensive player. So let's go through his stats since Dez has been out. You ready for this? Let me let me go ahead and pull up his games. <clears throat> Point total since Desmond Bain went out against the LA Clippers. 17, 24, 10, which was his low, by the way. 14, 18, 25, 11, and 20. And in those games, he's shooting above 40% from three. Yeah. yeah. Kiss my ass. He can play <laughs> offense. He can play yeah. offense. Like, let's, let's stop the hold. Don't hold back. There's no reason to hold back with yeah. the guy. He's showing you it, and it's a big enough sample size for you to trust it going forward. Yeah. yeah. Just and clearly the Grizzlies trust it. They converted his contract. Now, Gigi Jackson. Yeah. God, I'm still, dog, man. I'm still, like, he's 19. Right. So, I'm at the, when it comes to him developing the player he could be, I'm still more on the if side than the win side. I, I agree with that. I think there's some people that are already completely sold. They oh, are. he's gonna be a guy. We'll we'll see. The ta I, the, ta the I talent. Hold, people people that want to hold back on Vince Williams Jr. and not hold back on Gigi Jackson. Right. I don't really get. That. I don't I don't get that either. Gigi has not does not have much of a sample size. Now, what I do like about him is he's getting his shots and his points within the offense and he's knocking when he gets open from the three-point line yeah. it seems automatic right yeah. now and you wonder if that ever regresses to a mean that we saw in south carolina but he's tremendously talented and he's six nine and he's 220 yeah. and he's strong hasn't he even rebound. really had, hasn't really had professional weight like weight training and yeah. all that kind of yeah. stuff like, which is kind of scary because he's yes. huge he's yeah. a man yeah no, he's, he's a baby. Built like a man, he's still though, a baby. But he's built like a man. Oh, he is. But I'm saying age-wise, mature. Like he's, he's still a baby. He's 19 years yeah. old. Uh, on the young side of 19, he just turned 19 at the uh, right before the new year, I think. Yeah, I yeah. think so. <laughs> I mean, I I'm excited about the guy, but I just want to see it, you know, continue to progress yeah. and get him a bigger sample size. Yeah. See how well he consistently plays within an NBA offense. Couldn't agree more. All do right. you see? Oh, do you sorry. see him as a rotational player next year for the Grizzlies? Uh. So here's where I'm at. He's on a different two-way. So after this year, they either have to convert him or give a give him a chance elsewhere. He'd I think be a restricted can, free agent. Yeah. I, yeah, I think they convert him, give him a regular contract, and <sighs> rotation, sure. But I think ten man rotation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not yeah. like eight man rotation. Right, yeah. right, 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 right. Because I think when you get everybody healthy, when you get BC, when, back, I mean, when, when you, you get, get like, like, think about the top eight when they're back healthy. Ooh. This is what's exciting about all this new stuff with Vince and Gigi. They're top eight when they get back healthy. Ja, Jaron, Dez, Stephen, Marcus, 
Vince Williams Jr., Luke Kennard, Brandon Clark, Brandon Clark, Santi and then you could go Santi. You, yeah, that's David nine. David Roddy is ten, ten. Yeah, see if David Roddy or Gigi is a tenth. Like, damn. Yeah. Like this team, as much as this is a loss season, because it is. You have seen some things come to fruition that you didn't expect come to fruition. Absolutely. And going into next year, I'm about as positive as I've ever been about yeah. what this team could accomplish. Yeah. I really am. Last question for you about this. Are you team tank? Or are you just play games the way? Play the games. Just play it out. Play the game. You're not catching these terrible teams behind you. And you're probably going to be right there outside of the plan, which is still the lottery. Yeah. Which is wild. And, like, there's not really – like, if you are the – Eighth worst team versus being the twelfth worst team. Not much difference. Your chances to get into the top five still suck. Yeah, and they don't really diminish that big. Yeah. If you're so like no, I, I'm not one who's holding back at all. Like if they win, I'm happy about it. I'm like, oh, that's that was fun. Yeah, that play, was fun. Play. If they lose, that was okay. Yeah, cool. Just but people that are like, oh, keep losing for the tank. <laughs> no, who yeah. cares? And I don't even think this. I don't even think this draft is worth all that. No. Right. It's not worth it's being not. like, oh, lose every game and sit everybody down. No. I, I don't think it's worth all that. No, I no. agree. All right, second topic. Here we go. Um, man, this weekend was NFL Championship Sunday. Incredible games. Lots of drama in them. We had uh, the Baltimore Ravens facing off against the Kansas City Chiefs. Detroit Lions playing the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, let's go Baltimore, um, Kansas City first. Uh, what are your guys' thoughts on the game, man? Was nope. it what we'll, you thought uh, it would be? Mahomes we'll, we'll, is still on the throne. We'll revert back to a different discussion out of this. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, next, but Mahomes is still that guy, man. Yeah. If you're if you're a promising AFC quarterback, Good and luck. you play against Patrick Mahomes, that's where your legacy goes to die. Yeah. Lamar Jackson felt all of that. And, and to me, the, the way that this game played out and what, what it is and why the Chiefs won this game and are advancing to their fourth Super Bowl in the last five years is you saw a team that had been there before and a team that had not been there before. And it showed penalties, play calling, miscues, Keep going down. Everything, everything that looked inexperienced was shown by, by the, the Ravens. Ravens. Um, oh man, I, I had higher hopes for the Ravens, man. I really did. And they, I mean, they very easily could have won this game. I'll say this: Patrick Mahomes in the first half was unreal. Yeah, like unreasonably good. Mike McDonald, though, the good defensive coordinator he is for the Ravens, made adjustments at half. They didn't do nothing diddly no. in the second half. The MVP of the Chiefs goes to their defense, to Legereus Sneed, and yeah. to Steve Spagnolo, their defensive coordinator. Yes. Agreed. All he did the entire day was light Lamar Jackson up and light Lamar Jackson up and speed up his internal clock and bother the hell out of him. Yeah. Uh, I think Todd Munkin did him a favor, though, with his game plan. He only ran the ball 16 times, threw the ball 37 times with uh, – with Lamar Jackson, and they were first this year in run play percentage. Right. So that's not how they got there. And he completely switched up the plan, even though they weren't ever down by. No, a lot. they were. It was they never, always, They were always in the game, um, but you never really had hope because of how they were running their offense. Yeah. Um, but your point about like experience, I think the biggest shot that the Ravens took was one of the most inexperienced sort of moments of the game, and that's Zay Flowers the catches a ball downfield, gets a taunting penalty, sets him back 15 yards, he catches a crosser, about to get in the end zone, gets it punched out by Legereus Sneed because he's reaching the ball out, which I personally, um, having played ball, I think that I'm not mad at him for trying to go make a play. No. What I do get mad at is I think it's a relatively selfish play. Um, don't reach the ball out there because you know what the consequences are if that gets knocked out of bounds, out of the back of the end zone, or if it gets knocked out of your hands. They're going to hop on it, and they're going to take over possession. Um, but that was that was the game to me, summed up. It's just I agree with you. You saw a Ravens team that's just not – they don't have the level of championship DNA that Mahomes and the Chiefs and Andy Reid and Travis Kelsey possess. And Travis Kelsey – I mean, we've been talking about him regressing all year, and what does he do? Eleven catches, hundred sixteen yards, and a TD. Yeah. And can we talk Rice about, is a stud. Can we talk about that play between those two? A co- I mean, not just one. The, 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 the third series. Down. That series of plays that they had together. That third down the, flip out there. Yeah. 
Oh, bro. You talking about the one where he laid out? Yeah, that where was, he laid that out. Was fourth down. That was fourth down. Yeah. Sorry, and he the, just sort of yeah. And earlier in that drive, pressed it out there. He Shot ran put a, it. In. Oh, sorry, it was. A, you're right. It was a third down. The fourth and two was earlier in that drive. He ran kind of a deep crosser, and Mahomes just put a laser on him, kind of on the yeah. right sideline. And then the third down, Mahomes scrambles around, is getting hit, lays it up there. Kelsey lays out, and then they capped the drive with the back shoulder. Where Kyle Hamilton had it perfectly covered, and it was oh, a dart. Oh, that was a dart and a hell of a catch, too. Yeah. I couldn't believe that. It was the first touchdown. Yes. I couldn't believe that Laser that was completed. Beam. I couldn't believe that was completed. That was nuts. Yeah. Um, One thing that, that just always gets me about the Chiefs, and it's kind of like the Patriots back in the day with Tom Brady. They just make these plays in those type of games and those type of moments that just break your back and break your soul. Yeah. All the emotions. Like if you even if you felt like you had momentum, no you no longer have momentum. Yeah. The third they just, non play. They do these things to just break your heart. Yeah. Rip your heart out. And like the Legarius need punch out is a good example. The the third down where he flips it over to Travis Kelsey to set up a scoring drive. The, the end back of the game. Court, the, I mean, the first touchdown of the game, you're like, holy shit. Yeah, this went there right. is two guys in the NFL who could make that play yep. and that throw and that catch. Yep. And it's those two guys. Yep. They went right down they the field. They just consistently make these plays and in then the dagger, big moments. The dagger to end to the game. MVS. Yeah. Like, Felt bad for Art in that moment. Art yeah, Millet. Art Millet. Yeah, but it, it was zero. It was zero blitz. Zero. Let's man up. And honestly, I see people kind of going after Mike McDonald for dialing that up. I don't blame him in no, the slightest. You That's get, what you're supposed to you do. You want to give Patrick spot. Mahomes time back there? You have no timeouts to create. No, you, you had no timeouts. No. So go after him. You just got the two minute warning. It's a third down. Just let it all hang yeah. out. I will say, though, man, the Ravens' defense is so much fun to watch. They're really good. Roquan Smith and Patrick Queen really Ro do. Roe Ro didn't have the best game. No, he didn't. He didn't. Patrick Queen played well. Patrick Queen played very well. They they undoubtedly rival Fred Warner and Drake Oh, Greenwald. for sure. Like, for sure. Those two are 1A, 1B for linebacker. Roe kind of struggled in this game. And though. Kyle Hamilton Kyle Ham is a problem. <laughs> so we t let's, like... When we talk about best players in the NFL, like, you know, you put guys in that conversation, usually it's quarterback that, like, the media will talk about. But, like, I'm talking about the guys that are best at their position and what they do. I put Trent Williams on that level. Yeah. Like, he is just, you know, pound for pound, as good as as good at what he does as anybody in the league. Yeah. Kyle Hamilton's on that level. Oh, yeah. Because you see where they line him up, too? Everywhere. Free safety, strong safety, box safety. Put him on a, put him at corner. Put, have him guard a slot. You know what? Put I was, him on the best tight end in the league in Travis Kelsey. Put, Kyle, bring him on blitzes. Kyle Hamilton is what Isaiah Simmons was supposed to it, be. That's a deep cut, but hell it yeah, is. that's exactly that's what it's become, yeah. man. And he just makes play after play. His open field tackling ability is, is incredible, like second and none. think about that draft: Linderbaum and Kyle Hamilton. That's that was stuff. their two first round picks. Two pro bowlers. That's good stuff. That's very good stuff. That's good stuff. Now, um, letting it all hang out, right? I was talking about that a second ago. What Dan Campbell, let's what get to does. the Lions. Let's get to the Lions what and, the, and the 49ers. Uh, okay, so uh, everybody knew as soon as it happened there was going to be so much hate on this. But just kind of like you said with Todd Munkin and the Ravens offense, do what got you here. The Lions did what got yeah. them there. And everybody wants to talk about the play calling, right? That fourth and two Should have been Josh catch. Reynolds. Was a perfect play. How about call. the third and ten? You wouldn't have had to have a fourth yeah, down. Yeah, exactly. The fumble by Jameer Gibbs. It felt very similar. The team that had been there and the team that hadn't been there, and the Lions just kind of crapped down their leg at the end of that yeah. game. And it wasn't. It wasn't the decision making. I know you can I, go I, back in hindsight and say if they kicked the field goal, if they kicked the field goal, that should have been a conversion. If they catch that fourth and two, they probably go score, and the game's pretty much over right then anyway. I don't. I don't think that you need to shoot all that bail. I'll say this though. Dan Campbell and the fourth down decision making is like fifth, sixth, seventh on the list Without of the doubt. reasons they lost. Without a doubt. Josh Reynolds dropping a third and ten wide open. A fourth and two wide I'll open. I'll get to that because that was one of the fourth downs. Um, Jameer Gibbs fumble on first down inside their own 25. Yep. Christian Valdor getting oh, hit in the face by a ball. <laughs> Christian Valdor. Oh, my God. That one was... That's what ended the that's game. That's a backbreaker. That is a backbreaker. That's just... And you should have had that play made. Um, am I forgetting anything? 
Before the I keep fourth down. So. Oh, they they had a uh, they could have pinned the 49ers late in that game. Yeah. And they walked the ball right in the end zone, even though yeah. it was a beautiful punt. Yeah. Beautiful punt. But like those things to me, like the execution of the players was way worse than the decisions. Made. Now, I'm not going to shoot full bail to Dan Campbell, and there's a couple reasons why. One, you can say, okay, this is what got him there. I think when you're playing somebody like the 49ers in pressure pack situations with a team that hasn't been there before in the NFC Championship, maybe, just maybe switch your thought press process a tad bit and take the points. I mean... Maybe you, switch it a tad I, I bit. I get it. I get it. But it was the execution. It wasn't the calls. Right. Right. But I do think you all... But when you go for it on fourth down, That's you're a, always going to put yourself in that position. True. And you have to take into account maybe that they won't execute. But I do, ha I do like that he puts it in his players' hands. Now, the other part of it, the second part that really just sort of bothers me about when he went for it on fourth down. One was to go up by three scores. Yeah. You've been, you played football. I've I played football as well. When you go up by three scores as opposed to two scores, do you feel a lot better about yourself? Yeah. Do you feel like a little bit of a pressure Loose. is law, yeah. a, a relieved? You don't have to press. You don't have yeah. to worry about this other team coming down and scoring and doing all these things, getting back in the game. And then the other one was 27-24 49ers yeah. to tie the tie the game. Now that one, uh, I'm, I'm with you a little bit more on that to one. To tie the game. Yeah. You're down by three late in the fourth quarter versus being tied in the game? Yeah. That I agree with. I, I just think, like, the he missed out on, like, the mentality of the guys that he had. These guys have not been there before. And in those two particular situations, you give them a little bit of, like, relax, have fun, let's keep playing how we play. Yeah. If you just try to kick it. Now... I do get the point that Michael Badgley is not a good kicker, and no. he's like 77% from 40-plus yards, and both those kicks would have been from 40-plus yards. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm just of the opinion you make a one of the two, you feel a lot better about yeah, yourself. I, I agree. But Josh Reynolds catches that ball, they, they win that game. Like I said, it's down the list, but I don't think we should sit here and act like it meant nothing. No, it Because I think the mental there was a mentality shift when they when – because they, like the 49ers are at home – you hold them on a fourth down, that momentum starts shifting their yeah, direction. I, I, oh, shit, we have a chance to come back. As soon We're as only they, down it, by two scores. As soon as Josh Reynolds dropped that ball on fourth and two, the game was effectively over. Truthfully, it was over. It was done. The, all the momentum had flipped, and then, what, three or four plays later, they score a touchdown after that's, Christian Wildwood drops the interception. That's where I disagree with it, and I, and I just don't like everybody shooting in bail for it because I think you, you just have to treat – Every situation in its in a in a vacuum to a yeah. certain extent. Not fifty fifty. You can't, on you, you can't it. just uh, say, "Oh, well, we've been there and done that, and this yeah. is how we do it." No, sometimes no, you're nuance. in the NFC Championship yeah. and you're up by fourteen, and there's, you have to. Yeah, there's nuance. You to have it. to treat it correctly. I like the first one because I, I go for the win. Go, go for, for the go jugular. for the dagger. I get it. But to tie the game, go tie the game. Yeah, but I still think they should have gone up by three scores. I yeah. don't quite get that. All right, Kenny. Let's go uh, topic number three. Let's go back to the Baltimore Ravens-Kansas City Chiefs game. Uh, it's kind of been a hot topic on this show for the entire season, starting at the beginning of the year. Starting last now, year. Now, I'll, I'll be correct, though. Can I get my correct part out? I, Hold on. I did, okay. He hasn't even, well, haven't even teed it up I haven't yet. teed okay. it up to you All right. Yet. Sorry. Uh, been talking I'm excited. About, we've been talking about Lamar Jackson as an MVP candidate for a long time. Looks like he's still going to probably win his second straight MVP. Um, Which I called. Which Gabe called. He's a genius. Um, <laughs> but he came in. He obviously Baltimore came into that game against Kansas City as a as a favorite, and everybody expected them to win and go to the Super Bowl and cement Lamar Jackson's legacy as one of the elite quarterbacks of this generation. And then this happened. The game happened. Let me ask you this: Does that loss impact Lamar Jackson's legacy? I mean, as of right now, yeah, for sure. Because this was the year where everybody said, "Okay, Lamar, show me you can do it in the playoffs." Is, is going to do it in the playoffs because he ne he never has. If you historically look at what Lamar Jackson has done in the playoffs, it has not been good. He had by far his best game of the playoffs against the Texans, um, and I know people got excited about that, but I think a lot of us lost sight of that. That was a rebuilding Texans team that didn't give the Ravens much of a fight. They did in the first half, honestly. It was way closer than it should have been. But that that wasn't a good Texans team that they played. No. So the Ravens weren't really faced 
with much adversity in the first round. I think people kind of vindicated themselves saying this is the year for the Ravens. This is when they do it. Even though they beat a Texans team that is a year or two ahead of schedule and they beat them by 24 and you get another one of the, you know, Ravens beat another team over 500 by 10 plus points. When in reality, the Texans were never going to win that game and never had a chance in that game. Now, granted, Lamar Jackson, by to me, by far and away, had the best year of his career. I know his MVP year in 2019 was ridiculous stats-wise. 35 touchdowns, over 1,000 rushing yards. But as far as a, as a player, as a quarterback, just as an overall player, this was by yeah. far and away Lamar's best year. The 2019 season... He, he, Greg Roman offense, you're yeah, running the shit it was, out of the It ball. was a lot of runs. I, I think he had maybe 25 of his 35 touchdowns were within five yards. And let's be honest about it. like It was kind of a take-the-league-by-storm year for him where they didn't have a bunch of film on what they, wanted, what right. they were going to do with Lamar, and he was able to eat them up in the passing game yeah. because they're biting on the run right. and they're playing the run Because so optically, if you watched him throw the ball that year, you would go, eh. This year was different. Nothing though. special. This year, he he looked really good. But in the moment, again, in the big moment, in the opportunity, because let's not act like this is the first good Ravens team that he's played on that could have went to a Super Bowl. He did not play well. And he's shown historically now, more often than not, in big games, not only in the playoffs, but in the regular season as well, those big pivotal matchups, most of the time, he's, he's faltered in those games. And this, and this was his, probably his worst game of the entire season. Was it was it was in the biggest moment in the AFC Championship game, and I know the stats don't look terrible: eight carries, fifty-four yards, two hundred seventy-two passing yards. But you dig a little bit deeper and you watch that game. Yeah. They made him uncomfortable he, from the first snap. He never looked comfortable. He made a lot of bad decisions when he threw the ball. I know he had the interception they threw to, to Deion Bush late in the game. Uh, should have thrown another one, Nick Bolton, that went right through his hands earlier in the game on just a sped up his clock, bad throw. Uh, so he, he just looked bad. What was the pr- completion percentage? 57%, I think, in this game. He was 20 for 37. 20 for 37. So it just I, – I, I really don't want to take anything away from his season. Uh, because he was phenomenal He's, he's going to win the MVP. He had a great year. But he still got the monkey on the back. He yeah. still hasn't been able to prove it in, the, in those big playoff-type atmospheres. He's – I mean – this is hard for me to admit because I'm a big Lamar Jackson fan, and I think he gets unfairly castigated at times as not a true quarterback. He's a different-looking quarterback, and right. his style is completely different. It still wins ball games. Now, in the playoffs, here's what I have to admit. He's demonstrably worse. Yeah. He is, in his playoff career, 57% completion percentage, 1,300 yards, 6 TDs, 6 INTs. Yeah. Of the four quarterbacks that participated on Championship Sunday, he had the worst QBR, and he was honestly the worst quarterback that played on Sunday. All this is to say, I don't want to draw conclusions about him and will he ever be able to get over the hump. I think he'll get more cracks at it. We'll continue to see it. Yeah, for sure. But if I'm just telling the truth... The narrative that has been created that he has played his part in creating is still going to be there, and it's there, and it's fair, too. It is fair what is being said about him and his playoff success or lack thereof. He does not play well in the playoffs. That was shown again, and I, you know, you tip the cap to Steve Spagnuolo for drawing up a good game plan. Uh, You you, you tip the cap if you were against uh, Lamar Jackson to uh, Todd Munkin for, for having an awful offensive game plan. Game plan. Yeah. Um, but everything that has been said about him and will be said about him is fair. And I, I, I mean, we do this with guys in the NBA all the time where we say, okay, yeah, great regular season player. Can he do it in the playoffs? Jason Tatum's one of those guys. Jalen Brown. Guys like that. That's Lamar Jackson now. Yeah, you can do everything you want during the regular Dang. season. Yeah, you can go, yeah, yeah, yeah. You can go hoop. You can have an MVP caliber season. What are you going to do in the playoffs? Right. And I think that's all on the table, and it should be on the table. Yeah, for sure. I have a question for you, real quick. You y'all talked about Todd Munkin a few times changing up the game plan, like what they they did throughout the season. <laughs> we, Christian saw that. We all saw that with the Dallas Cowboys defense as well. Dan Quinn uh, 
went to zone a lot in his well, game. Well, no. Why do they? Why do coaches do that? Like, well, why? Dan Quinn was a little different, Kenny. Dan Quinn ran his nickel package out there against big sets the entire game. Right against the Packers. <laughs> it looked that, like, it looked that like, was a problem. But I. But if you if you listen, I know I'm going to get into the weeds here. Yeah, go but, for it. But screw it. We, 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 we had a film. We the, we the way me and Christian started as a duo was doing film film room. So um, our brains work in that so way. So his. He ran out of nickel package against big sets the entire game. But what a lot of NFL coordinators will tell you is if you can stop the run playing nickel, you're going to win a ball game. So I guess that's what Dan Quinn was trying to do. I don't know if he really switched up his game plan as much as he didn't adjust at all. Yeah. Once he saw that the Packers were going to run it right down his throat. Yeah. And for and for Todd Munkin and He switched the game plan. Though. He did. But honestly, it makes sense. Yes, because you're getting lit up and run blitzes. You're scared of the the pressure. What does, if an offensive coordinator has one of the best quarterbacks in the league and said quarterback is being blitzed over and over and over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If, if, If a team is blitzing Patrick Mahomes over and over and over and over, what is Andy Reid gonna do? Air that ball out. Go over the top. That's what you do. Yeah, and quick completions. Cause, yeah, because they're get br- guys in open space. Right, they're bringing run blitzes. You know what's and- funny though is later in that game you saw Justice Hill get loose on a nice little, uh, yeah. uh, little uh, just flat route. Yeah. Uh, Gus Edwards had a little crosser mm-hmm. that he did. He, they got the running back some of those quick completions and it worked. And he it's abandoned when they, that it's when they moved down the field. And then he never really did that in the first half. No. So he didn't really draw up quick completions. He. <laughs> I know because if Patrick Mahomes got blitzed, you know, as much as uh, Lamar Jackson did on Sunday, he'd go for 450 yards. Yeah. And he wouldn't throw a pick. Like, I get that. But I don't think that, like, even if you go deeper into Todd Munkin's game plan, he was trying to draw up downfield concepts. Yeah. And it's like, what are are we doing exactly? You know, you're going to get lit up. So let's. Explore the underneath. Yeah. Let's get some intermediate routes going. Let's stop taking a bunch of deep shots yeah. when you're not going to have as much time in the pocket. And maybe the thought process was, yeah, he's going to light up Lamar, but Lamar is going to escape and make things happen. And he couldn't. It did. It just comes a moment where you have to you have to use sound logic. I don't know if Todd Munkin did that. Yeah. And I also think that they have a strong enough offensive line and run game, even if they're bringing run blitzes. To, to run against Run them. the damn ball. Yeah. We'll close it on that. Run the ball. Run the ball. All right. We are going to get out of here. We appreciate you guys for joining us back in studio this week. Good phone drop from Gabe there. If you are watching on YouTube, you can like, subscribe, comment there. You can do the same wherever you get your podcast, Apple, Spotify, any of those other platforms. So we appreciate you guys for joining us, and we will see you back here next week. Thank you for listening to On the Bluff. If you enjoyed this episode, leave a rating and a review wherever you download your podcasts. Also, like and subscribe to Bluff City Media's YouTube page. Head over to www.bluffcitymedia.co for comprehensive coverage of Memphis sports and how you can become an insider.